Hi, welcome to episode 20 of Sparks of Madness, and this week I'm talking to Tom Evans, uh, a comedian who um, has links with uh, the Cardiff comedy scene, which we discuss in this uh, episode, and also um, is a showrunner at uh, Hot Water, he's worked at Hot Water Comedy Club, one of the best comedy clubs in the north of England, in Liverpool, um, for a while. Um, in fact, in this episode, I um, am informed of that by Tom when I say that we've never met, and he reminds me that actually we have met. We met the night that uh, I did my gig at Hot Water about 18 months ago. Um, when we're discussing that as well, we also um, I mentioned the fact that I was quite distracted that night because it was probably one of my bigger venues to date that I'd played and one of those ones that you want to put on your CV, and also that I was um, focused more on trying to chat with the MC that night which is Freddie Quinn and I mentioned that Freddie was more interested in watching the football on his phone and probably having a few bets on knowing Freddie that's by n- in no way uh, a dig at Freddie Quinn by the way I would never dare or dream of doing that um, I entirely understand why he wouldn't want to chat with a dickhead like me in the green room at hot water when he's never met me or heard of me before so just to get that out there before the inevitable backlash um, of people hearing that and thinking I'm somehow taking a pop at one of the the best comedian and MCs on the circuit. Not happening. Um, anyway, yeah, so listen out for um, us discussing Tom's um, mental health um, through his adolescence, his his journey through comedy and his plans for the future. Um, it's uh, an enjoyable pod, this one. It was one that flew by and I really enjoyed it. So I hope you enjoy what you're listening to. And as always, do let me know what you think. If you're, a, if you're another comedian listening to this and you fancy coming on, drop me a line. And if you're not another comedian, if you're one of the muggles, who is listening and you're having a you know have anything to say then do let me know um always appreciate your feedback cheers bye bye welcome to episode 20 of sparks of madness and my guest today is tom evans hi tom hello Hello, okay. how are you doing? Are you Is well? Is Graham or Graham? Graham, Graham, Graham. Graham. Don't say I, Graham, knew, Graham. I knew that. <laughs> yeah, it fucking annoys me. It's still Graham. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, it is a weird spelling, but don't get me started. Mm. Um, yeah, I was actually talking to someone the other day about how Americans struggle with names like Graham and Craig. Everything. It's Craig, Craig and Graham. And, yeah, but anyway, that's not what this pod's about. <laughs> I don't think there's much mileage yes, in welcome that. Welcome to the Americans Can't Say Names podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Tell me about yourself, Tom. We are so to people who don't know how the comedy industry works in the UK, and um, most of it's done conducted via Facebook, which means that comedians mm. from pretty much any level of the industry end up with hundreds, if not thousands, of Facebook friends they've never met who work within the industry, and that's yeah. how we are kind of connected. Um, oh, we have met. We you, you came to Hot Water Comedy once. That's right. You? Yeah, and uh, I was show manager, I believe. That's right, so, and I completely forgot that because I'm a prick. So. <laughs> Awkward moment number one. Yeah. In fairness, so, in fairness, everyone is like that because when people come to hot water as well, especially if they're around, you know, a couple of year mark or whatever, and they haven't had a spot there, they're usually so nervous about you know what it's going to be like and how it's going to go because they've seen all the videos of Adam Rowe and Paul Smith absolutely killing it and Freddie Quinn yeah. doing well as well. And uh, yeah, they they usually in a mind, a mind of their own. Um, so I don't blame you at all, mate. It's uh, it's all yeah. Good. I think when I did Hot Water, it was probably in terms of milestone gigs, the biggest milestone I'd had at the time. I'd done the the uh, mm. big gong at the Frog, but then. That's relatively mm. easy to get hold of, but to get a spot hot water was great for me. 
Um, but yeah, I was bricking it that night. And then um, I also was very keen to try and engage conversation with Freddie Quinn in the green room, who was at MC that night, but he was watching football and I think gambling. So he, he yeah. wasn't really fussed, um, you know. Those, those guys are pretty casual about... Yeah. Um, about everything i mean they, it's, it's like i think it's just because they can be because they're doing well they've got mm. all you know all, all, probably not all the spots they want it's easy for us to look at their um look at it from their perspective and think oh they've, they've got it made i mean like they've got it made in as far as that we would like to have it made like mm. they do but yeah and and they and they do a lot of gigs so yeah it doesn't surprise me that he was gambling or watching the football or something like that adam rove loves watching the football in the in the green room as well mm. um but also, like I, I know, I know this as like having some someone who's been worked there. You do get a lot of people coming through, mm. and some of them are quite annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you yeah. do have to sort. And the trouble is, is the annoying ones. They look exactly like the normal ones, mm. but you never know. So I, I think a lot. I think a lot of their of that is probably him just being like, right, I'm just going to put up a barrier. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to invest any time so in you until I know you're not a prick. In, in yeah. anyone, yeah, exactly, until he knows you're not a prick, exactly. It took uh, it took them, you know, I was working there for ages until they sort of warmed up to me, and they still haven't really warmed up to me. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the whole Facebook thing sucks because it's, it's, it's really shit because, like you said, you're friends with loads of people on Facebook who you've never, you've never met. I've got a... Um, I don't know if you're the same. You run some gigs, so you're probably the yeah. same. You've got a, like a whole friend request of about a hundred or so people, people you've never met, but you have a hundred and something friends in common, and you just like, well, I, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be friends with anyone on Facebook, but I want to at least to have met you first. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of have that rule with m- me adding people. Like I'll either, I'll if, for example, with you, um you probably advertised for a gig and I thought oh no I have met him at least and then I will mm. have added you or vice versa I'm not even mm-hmm. sure uh, at this point and uh, but it's difficult because Facebook is so if if there's a gig advertised you have to get there within a minute it's like fake Facebook marketplace like yeah. you know you'll get you see a nice table and chairs and you'll go oh I really need that and you'll check with your missus and by the time you check with your missus it's gone yeah, and it only took thirty seconds to check with your missions there, so yeah, that's yeah. the way it goes. With me, I've just started advertising the odd gig again now, and um, the mm. um, the the way I do it now is I I advertise it, and then I don't look at any of the replies for probably three or four hours at least. That's good, and then because because in the past I've been stunned by that where you think, oh great, I've I quite like to, to book um, give someone a book in and then someone who you'd even more like to give that spot to comes along and you think shit. Mm. And, you know, if you're if you're a person of any moral fibre, you're not going to back out on that booking. So um yeah, it's it's tricky. It's a weird People way to do that, business to they... run. Oh, I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> they go, oh and, and uh, <laughs> the shitty thing is is when they're brutally honest with you, they go Hey man, well, I'm gonna be really on. honest. Someone really good has applied for this gig, and uh, I don't know you. So uh, <laughs> you're like, <Bye-bye. laughs> ah, okay. Well, I guess I have to just be fine with that. Then. Yeah, yeah, it can be quite soul destroying, I think. So, so how long oh, have you man, been? The, um... whole, the whole process is soul destroying, definitely. So, do, in terms of obviously, you, you're a showrunner at Hot Water, and you run a few gigs. Mm. But presumably, you started out as an act at some stage well yeah i started out in cardiff uh, and the scene i don't know if you've ever been there down southwest it's kind of it's 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 been in a bit of a lull 
for a while. I think it hit like like it was good for a bit because there was only like X amount of people doing it. But then I think the spots were up here, people doing it here, and then eventually that just happened. And yeah. then what seems to have happened, and I'll be perfectly open and honest about this in my experience in this place, is it just became full of bitching and infighting and um and just cliqueiness and stuff. So when I when I came into the scene, it was like that. It was there was loads of cliques and and I and I noticed it straight away because it just reminded me of high school when I was in high school and I was like, you know, I was getting bullied by people and I'd see right, oh right, so that guy's supporting that guy. I could see like the hierarchy within the cliques as well. I remember talking to people and uh, you know, when I I've only been in here a year and I'm like, it's quite cliquey in here and the people who were in the cliques, they were like no, I don't see it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> you, don't see it. you wouldn't because you're in it. You can't see yeah. what you're in. It's, um, it's really tricky to to avoid falling into that unwittingly as well. I mean, it, mm. so there's a few people I gig with quite regularly, and like a lot of people, you end up sort of having your private chats with them, WhatsApp groups or whatever, and it, it it's quite. I think it's quite easy I think to it's, become, you know, yeah. have your own I little bubble. You do, if you you like. do have to make a concerted effort to be like right it's not just the people i know you do have to be mm. like right even though it does take effort even though you know like, like in that in that one time freddie quinn was you know always quite cagey or he was really wanted to watch the football or whatever you know mm. he's done life at the end of the day of course, and, yeah, sure. be, and you yeah. can't be like oh you bastard fucking look at me you prick like <laughs> exactly. can't be like that because yeah. that would be weird and exactly the sort of reason why he does that sort of thing in the first place but um but also like i found you know if if I'm in like a group with if I go to a, an open mic night, you know one of those open mic nights that have twelve people on, and you're like, yeah. you go there and you think, oh fuck's sake, twelve people. Right. I'm just gonna do that. Hopefully, not all of them will turn up. And then those are the nights that they all turn up and they bring a friend who's like, can I get a spot? And they're like, yeah, no worries, fourteen people act, yeah. And uh, and so you'll be in the green room, and then you'll be like, well, I know him, I know him, I know her, I know her, I know him, I know them, or whatever. And then you'll just be like. But I don't know those people, but they're like, they seem like, you know, quite shy and stuff like that. Mm. I will always try to make the effort to go over because I remember what it was like to feel so intimidated by an open mic. Because it, it feels silly saying it now because I've oh, now yeah. gone <laughs> and I've done other things that are professional and, and stuff. And, and, and that stuff, I don't really even get nervous anymore because I've got to the point now where I'm like, well, the product's the product, you know, and you being nervous isn't going to help. So just go out there and fucking do it and you might as well do your best. But I remember like being in front of an open mic, in front of like eight people, my first gig in a place called Shot in the Dark. And I remember being so nervous and it's just like, and I'd, and I'd walk into that gig now and I'd just fart in all of their faces and be like, deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Because I just, and, and, and make it funny. Like yeah. maybe not directly in their faces, but you know, around their faces. <laughs> sort of make a, a general waft. Yeah. Out of it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, and so I, I, I do try to make a conservative effort. I've even put uh, recently on the South Wales comedy uh, circuit thing, uh, for any new acts, I have this experience, uh, you know, let's come out of this really mm. awful period where there's been nothing and let's do it better. Now, I know there's still those people who are going to be pricks because some of them weren't just in a clique. They were very proud of having been at the top of the clique, mm. you know, and it's 
their time has ended now. And, and mm. I'm not going to be a prick about it. I'm not going to be like, you guys, you fucking know, man, 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 Because I tried that. And it didn't work. You know, people <laughs> were just like, people were just like, wow, I met them. They were really nice. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the, the, the biggest trick that the devil did was convince you that he didn't exist. And then they'd be like, the devil, really? And I'm like, no, it's the same. And, uh, and yeah, so I, I just want to, you know, be kind. So that means like, I had like six or seven rewrites of that thing where I was just like, and if you're a part of the bastards that used to be in this, delete, delete, delete. That's a red flag. Just be like, right, just be nice. Positive, positivity. And that's how I'm going to do it. You know, positivity. Because that's how, that's what I learned from hot water. You know, they're just positive about things. Mm. And they get a load of flack. Yeah, I'm don't. sure you've heard some of the. What's some of the flack that you've heard? It's always interesting for me. I to mean, uh, so I think for me, it's, it's, um, the, the, I mean, I haven't heard a huge amount of flack about the people, but the general kind of thing about hot water might be that it, it is really hard to get a spot if you're new and you're not from Liverpool or that area, so you're a bit further afield, mm. stuff like that. But it's not mm. what I found. Um, once I, so I didn't apply for hot water for a while until I felt I was ready because I know that those video, the thing about hot water is the, the videos go online, the videos get a lot of views, and hopefully that spills over into your other stuff. And although I don't like to sort of appear to be a strategist, what I didn't want to do is do it too soon, blow my load and fuck mm. it up. And, and then mm. what you don't want as a video. I know of people who've had videos that have gone, that have been made and they've asked them to take it down because they didn't, yeah. you know, they, they realized it didn't reflect well on them. I didn't want to be that guy. Um, yeah. So when I came to, it was coming up to a year in um, and I wanted a gig, applied for it. And within the first two or three attempts to apply for it, got it. And, and Paul was was great on email and stuff about what I needed to know. And, you know, so what I found was very different from what I've heard. But I, I genuinely think that mm. what I've... So my overall experience of comedians individually since I've joined the circuit two years ago, two and a half years ago... Um, Including nearly, the experience of meeting me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember it well. Uh, but no, what I found is that generally people that I've come across have been really supportive, really friendly, really honest... Mm. I haven't seen firsthand anyone being a cunt to me. Um, mm. Apart from, I think Facebook, a lot of that stuff ha- ha- exactly. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah. it all happens online. Yeah. In face, people are really nice. Like I've yeah. been invited by these people. But when you get to that were, level, yeah, people take a shot at you as well. So there's a, there's the clique thing of people at that level. But then when you get to, yeah. I mean, I always get amazed by the amount of people who slag off well-known comedians for you know people like slagging off Michael McIntyre. I've got yeah. a friend who 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 cannot it's so stand boring, isn't and, it? And you just think these guys work fucking hard to get where they go, yeah. and they work hard to stay there. And all right, they might not be your cup of tea, but you have to admire their achievements, even if you don't admire their comedy. You know, I watched um, yeah. last night on this week on BBC Two. There's been the Funnies Festival, whatever it's called, Festival of Funnies, and um, mm. Joe Brand was was emceeing a show, yeah, and I, I have. Yeah, see, I don't. Before comedy, I I didn't. Mm. I, I just found her her mm. act just wasn't for me. Sometimes a bit irritating. Yeah, it's fine. You hate women. Um, it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. It. I hate all women. I'm a total <laughs> no. So, um, I, but the, what I did last night, my wife was like, "Why? Why are you watching this?" And um, I was like, "Because you you hate her. Why are you watching it?" And I was like, "I don't hate her. I just I'm like a comedy. But actually, yeah. now that I'm in comedy, I want to see if I appreciate it differently." Yeah, and I didn't, but I gave it. <laughs> I just That's did, good, I, and and, and, and like 
Yeah, exactly. But what I'm not going to do. I is... can see why people wouldn't like Joe Renner. Yeah, yeah. That was very specific, and it's a bit down. And some people don't like the down comics. You know, mm. like it's just like mm, like that. And if yeah, you yeah. don't find that humour, it's not it's not her per se. It's a style. No, no. And there are other. And that's the thing is, I wouldn't style. then go online and say that say she's shit. She doesn't Joe know what Brand she's got. Does not yeah, deserve the success hey, that she has, and I and, think are proper. And what what good comes of it anyway? Do you know what I mean? There, there's very few. There's not that many people I would slate like that. The, you know, there's a few no. whose conduct I might slate, and I've talked about mm. those in some of the other podcasts when we were talking about the Me Too movement and stuff like that. But um, mm. in terms of comedy as a career or a craft or an art or whatever you want to call it. If people get achievements, good on them. If they get achievements by luck, good on them. We all, we'd all love a mm. bit of that. Um, so well, you know, I, was, I, don't... I was watching that talking funny thing last night with Ricky Gervais. You know the thing that everyone talks about. Like, oh, have you seen that talking funny thing on HBO? And it was and it was funny because I, I rewatched it just because you never know which little extra bit you're gonna get from mm. mostly Jerry Seinfeld and Louis C.K. and those because they they do you know whatever whatever their you know their other life and outside of comedy is and stuff like that. They do know a lot about comedy, and yeah. I do want to learn. And uh, Ricky Gervais was saying how, oh, you get these some comedians who just they talk about anything and blah blah blah, and it's just like, yeah, it's mad. It's mad how Ricky Gervais is just properly having a pop at Michael McIntyre. Yeah. <laughs> he won't say yeah. his name, but yeah, it yeah. is. He's like, but it's like, like people yeah, with PK. Like, yeah, you they know. don't. They don't sell. They don't sell. You know, and he's like, he's doing stadiums. <laughs> yeah. Peter K gets it, doesn't he? People go, oh, do you remember stuff? That's yeah. Peter K's whole life. It's like, well, he's, he's a bit more than that. And actually, and also, you try going on it. and talking yeah. about stuff like like he does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you try yeah. do it. If it's so easy, do it. Go ahead. And yeah. that, and have that, at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's a weird industry from that point of view. So, you've you've obviously. Been talking about some of the things about the industry you don't like. Mm. In terms of how that affects your mental health, which is kind of the other arm to this podcast, mm. does, does comedy ever get you down? Yeah, <laughs> constantly, all mm. the time. Um, uh, but it, it's, it, it, you know, it's the double, it's, you know, it's a double-edged dildo. Like on the one hand, it's really nice. It feels good. And then on the other hand, if you stick that one in as well, it's a bit much and you know and, <laughs> and things start to tear and bleed and uh and then you've got to you know do some care get the salves um and sort of you know push back some of your plans you know because they involve sitting uh or walking or just generally having an asshole um but no in, in all seriousness like um it it is it really is a double-edged dildo in that like I, I it's so life-affirming at times and then other times it's so demoralizing but it's but the life-affirming bits they come in big chunks they come after uh they come after a gig I would you know I, I would say like they come after like a really big gig you know like I did the, I did the glee not not long before lockdown uh, came in and I kind of I kind of it was a bit nothing to me really because I, I I went in, it was about, it was around November and I remember them saying to me, because I went, I was going to go in and I was going to talk about my new stuff, which I really like and I'm proud of and push the guitar stuff uh, to the side because I've been doing it a while and um, I just don't believe in it and as, in it as much, you know, as like a representative of what it is, but it is, it works really well, especially with the older crowds. And I went in and it was, and they said, oh, it's the first, um, 
first load of uh, Christmas dues in, just in November. And uh, the back row, all throughout the first opening act, is a professional comedian and the MC just talking the entire way through. And I was just like, ah, fuck, I can't, I can't do my jokes and have people fucking talking my way through. Luckily, I still had the guitar in the car. So I just, I went back to the guitar and I got it and I, and I came out and then and I did it and it went and they enjoyed it. Um, I asked for feedback and they said, uh, yeah, your stage wasn't really good. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the material wasn't the best. And I was like, that's fine because that's my worst material. And I was going to get another go at it this year, but then that happened. But that didn't and feel amazing to me, not just because of that, but just because, you know, it was nothing. But then I went to um, the, the East Middlesbrough and I just did this little gig in a pub, like with 15 people, but it was just the whole pub, like the tiny little pub. But there was about 15 people in there, including most of the comedians. And <laughs> it was supposed to be like a competition thing, but then they only had one round and I won that one round. So technically, I guess I won the competition. Was that um, a bar called Sherlock's by any chance? It... Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. With James fantastic Robinson. little room. Yeah, fantastic little room. It was, it was, it was, and I, I came out of that and I, and I came out and I just started talking about all my stuff, you know, and, uh, mm. and the stuff that I like, stuff that I'm proud of, and they just loved it. And then, you know, James um, came up and we had nice chats as well. Uh, hopefully we're going to be doing some projects together uh, once the comedy comes back as well, made a new friend. Like that sort of gig made me feel so much better. But with regards to what makes you feel bad, it's just this constant, constant little poke, like, you know, from out, out of the frame, just poking the head, like, you haven't got enough mm. gigs, you're not doing yeah. enough, you know, you're not writing today. Why haven't you written today? You haven't written today. Like, just this constant sort of poke in the head, like that sort of water torture, the drip, mm. you know, this constant thing. And it's not about getting the good times to balance out the bad times is what I found. It's about coming to terms with the bad times and being mm. like, well, I haven't written today. Let's write for 20 minutes. Let's do it. I mean, I've never done that, but it's yeah, not, my work. It's not, I probably should do it. But, you know, it's just little, little things like that, little, little, little agreements because with my mental health in general, you know, I've found that when you try and not control it, but sort of just be a friend to it and just sort of identify. It's like when you go, like when you're going out with a friend and they're getting a bit drunk. And then, you know, let's say that friend is called depression and the friend is going out, he's getting a bit too drunk and you just go, right, I could either just leave him to it and then he'll get fucking blackout and he'll make a few mistakes. Or I can just sort of put my arm around him and say, hey, have this glass of water. He then may fight me briefly and he might punch me in the face even, but over the longer term, he will then get less drunk that night and make and make fewer mistakes. Uh, and, and then it'll be easier in the long run. Like it's a sort of really convoluted thing. It's a good analogy. It's not as good as the double-edged dildo, but it's not bad. Um, <laughs> Nothing is as good as the double-edged <laughs> dildo. <laughs> um, so you talked about your mental health briefly there. What's your your sort of history, if you like? I like that. I like that. When you, when, you gave me, when you gave me that message, what's your flavours? I like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Craig David circa 2005. <laughs> 
yeah. I think, yeah, I think what flavor of fucked up are you? Talked about the seven days. That was a metaphor for the aging process. And it was actually a lot more deeper than just, you know, a, a garage MC. Um, he, so, yeah, no, when I was younger, I had uh, lots of eating disorders. It's a yummy, yummy eating disorders. I can, I can show you my battle scars if you want. These lovely big, um, lovely big stretch marks on my belly, uh, like thunder. Uh, and they're all pointing towards my penis. Something else that I've struggled with. Um, having an enormous... No, I'm joking. Um, no, uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing comedy if I had a big willy. You know? <laughs> no, none of it. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, no, I had loads of eating disorders um, because I was really fat uh, from about the age of eight um, and uh, incessantly bullied for it. And this is 90s bullying as well. So it's not internet bullying. It's in-your-face bullying. Uh, which, is it worse? I don't know. I haven't really experienced the internet bullying, uh, apart from maybe a bit on MSN Messenger back in the day, uh, where someone would put you in their name along with a bunch of emojis, like, you know, blur, you know, star heart, Tom is gay, star heart, <laughs> bliss forever or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a different kind of uh, bullying, I guess, from what the kids get today. But uh, it was equally painful. Uh, and so uh, I was a bit like, I was, you know, I was definitely like a, in the wrong place at the wrong time because I look back on the way that I was as a kid and, you know, obviously you self-reflect and I think you could have gone two ways. You were either going to be the coolest person in school or you were going to be the school punching bag. And unfortunately, it was the second one. And, uh, and yeah, so obviously a load of trauma from that, uh, real trauma, like, because uh, people people say like oh trauma you know were you in a war were you like you know think trauma is different for different people man like you know going to school every day and thinking am I going to get the shit kicked beaten you know uh, am I going to get the shit kicked out of me today and like having that constant threat and then you know nine times out of ten having the shit kicked out of you either verbally or physically uh, it, you know it affects you um, and uh, so then I. Thankfully, I had really good parents, that sort of thing. Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, uh, so then I lost a bunch of weight, but I did it badly. I stopped eating. I started going to the gym, like living the proper anorexic life, but never quite getting to like anorexic levels. You know what I mean? But I, but you know, you watch those programs which talk about it nowadays, generally for the ladies where they're like, oh, you know, they're in the gym every day and they're not eating. And if they are eating, they're then throwing it up. I was doing all of that. Um, but it was all undiagnosed because I sort of just got a handle on it because I remember playing rugby and just having no energy and being like, well, actually, I, I do want to actually. So I started eating bran flakes. Like that was my one food. I was like, bran flakes, they're healthy. I mean, look, at it. <laughs> it's not, it's not healthy. <laughs> like, no. It's so full of sugar. But I didn't know that at the time. I was stupid. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, from then on, when I got a bit older, I had a few depression spells. Like I was saying, um, yeah, yesterday I thought I thought I had a cold, so I stayed in bed all day, but it turns out I was just a little bit depressed. <laughs> Similar yeah. symptoms, you know, feeling a bit like more. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's also something that I've, you know, I've definitely got ADHD, like, and I know the whole self-diagnosis thing is really, you know, people do it too much and stuff. But, you know, when you just see 
people share, like uh, Beth, uh, Bethany Black, she shares a lot of stuff about ADHD and it's really good that she does because when she shares like, oh, these are my list of things, I go, oh, I've got all of them. Mm. <laughs> isn't, isn't that normal? Isn't that how everyone is? And, uh, and yeah, it sucks because I was working closely with this guy through lockdown and we were making a sketch show. Um, but the thing is, we were just so different. We had different ways of looking at the world entirely. And I really honestly felt like I tried to empathize with the way that he viewed the world. And I just felt like none of it, none of that was coming my way. And he was just sort of annoyed by my general behavior. And because of that, that then made things worse because then I like, you know, uh, you know, rebelled and be like, well, I am like this or whatever. And, you know, and now we're not, not working together just because of the clash of personality. And it kind of sucks because we made some good mm. stuff. Um, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my general um, rocket lollipop multicolored flavor of, uh, of mental health for you there. What are, what are you uh, struggling with? Or what are you, what are you dealing with? That, that's, that's it. How do you, how do you ask someone, you know? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, What's wrong why, with you? <laughs> what, well, that's it. Which is why when 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 I messaged you about coming on here, it was just easy to sort of just ask a yeah. really direct question, which was what what yeah, flavour exactly. of fucks up are you? It's you know, um, it's so my 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 sort of backstory really is um, a, a major case of depression about ten years ago and anxiety, but low level depression and anxiety probably for all of my adult life since adolescence really. Um, but mm. I was completely aware of it until it happened, until I had a bit of a breakdown. Um, and then yeah. since then have been largely self-managing um, yeah. and w- mostly okay. Lockdown's weird. Lockdown's hard. Um, you know, um, not going to lie, I've got, you know, I've got a wife and two kids and, you know, for the last year, mm. you know, 95% of the human contact, if not more, have been solely with them that I've had. Yeah. Um, and I, I love them to bits, but you know when you're yeah. used to it's a lot particularly so I'm, I'm used to commuting to work monday to friday nine to five for my day job and then gigging two or three nights a week and mm. seeing various people um and when you're someone who it's weird because collectively i don't like people but individually i really like people i'm quite gregarious so i have a sort of a, a bit of a disconnect with how i view people from afar and then once i'm in that moment it's fine um, I'm very similar. Yeah, hmm. I agree with you. And I miss it's it. I, I miss it a lot. Collectively, I, I excel if I'm at the top of the pile. <laughs> yeah. If everybody's yeah. listening to me, it's fine. But... I know exactly what you mean. But yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, at the, at the moment, it's probably just impatience is the thing of knowing that the light is at the end of the tunnel with COVID, but yeah. not knowing quite how long we've still got in the tunnel before we reach the light and, and it being and, you know 21st of june july have you had have you had an attack of anything recently because i had a, a last week i properly like had like two days of just like death feeling and just being like oh like it, the whole thing just took over me and i was literally just like why is this and i was just like because it might be over but i don't know it and and then yeah. all the, and then all the the, net, the rest of that is then if it is over right i need to start contacting venues I need to start contacting bookers i need to yeah. do this i need to do that and then that all just piles a year's worth of that piles on top of you all at once i think and for I me it's, like, it's not been so much the the panic of getting things going or the anxiety of getting things going it's been i talked a couple of episodes ago with um Anthony williams um who's a promoter in the midlands and uh and the comedian as well about imposter syndrome and Probably since I started, this is the first time I've really, 
when I first started, I felt like a bit of a tourist, to be honest, in the industry. I mm. felt like a bit yeah, that's bit what we all said as well. Bright-eyed yeah. and yeah, <laughs> cheers, mate. A bit sort of bright-eyed, a bit naive, perhaps. <laughs> um, that quickly passed when I realised that I was okay and I wasn't shit. Um, yeah, and you know that is, that is isn't that a great feeling when you yeah. finally like it's like your 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 first couple, your first ten, let's say. You're just like rolling the mm. dice and then the dice get slowly more and more weighted in your mm. favor. And then you, and then I don't know if it was the same with you, but I really started enjoying going to the shittest gig possible and seeing how well I did. Like there was that one in Wigan where I went in and the football was on, the bar was there, it was fuller than the room and there was no divide. So I had to be loud. There was a drunk lady called Perno Pat and she i was warned about her before and i was like right first thing you're gonna do make perno pat laugh second thing i'm gonna do is make sure that the guy who's watching the football and it was a good game as well is only watching me and yeah it, it ended up being really fun like making your own gig within a gig sort of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, i know what you mean it's a I bit of a personal the battle same with that and then yeah, when I do. you get that feeling like i am not shit yeah exactly <laughs> and i think that, yeah I if, I'm so, good, but i'm not shit if you it, like <laughs> you say if you set yourself if you set yourself those challenges within a gig and you mm. and you you win them over i think that's great mm. um and it is sometimes that's you you're setting your own bar aren't you? which is great but no, i think looking at the future now it's been like well it's been a year um and part of me thinks, well, no one's really done much in that time. If you take Scott Bennett out of the equation, who's been smashing his shed gigs and all that stuff, if you, you know, the 99.9% yeah, of comedians have done fuck all. <laughs> Everyone started a podcast. I started a podcast. Yeah. I haven't lost any ground there. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. But there's also that thing of wanting to come back. I just got to a stage where I was just building up some really nice momentum. I was feeling like 2020 mm. was going to be a bit of a, not a breakthrough right. year, but a year where yeah. I felt I belonged, you know really yeah. felt I belong. I, I know um, you mean. I had some really nice bookings uh, yeah. in. They keep coming up back. on my Facebook memories. I'm like, you fuckers. Uh, welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. You, and, you, and that's... Everyone's picking up where they left off, for sure. Rationally, uh, pragmatically, I know that's the case. But the little, little fucker at the yeah. back of the head keeps going, yeah, but this time when you come back, if you're still doing the yeah. same material, people are going to realise you still... And if, is, your, is your new material... Because I have written some new oh. stuff. Is that going to be any good? Um, is people people going to react to that, or you know, I mm. sort of I, I I was really keen not to yeah. paint myself into a corner of just being the guy that talks about sex or, or cock or whatever. Um, and then so if I stop talking about yeah. that, is that me? Is that all I can do? And you know, you get all that, and I know rationally that's bollocks. You know, yeah, yeah, funny yeah. is funny, and if it works, it works. Um, but irrationally, I like, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've had professional yeah I've had professional comedians come up to me and say like, oh, you're talking about wanking, are you? And like, oh, so that's never been done before. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I want to talk about wanking. Like, There's know, only so much know, human behaviour you can talk about, isn't there? That's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> and and, and I, I know they were coming from a good place when they said to me, because they were, they were trying to find, like, what my niche was. Yeah. Um, and it was... Uh, but I, then I remember going to, You know, after all, you, talk, you, mentioned, you mentioned the Me Too thing. And, and like, you know, you don't really know. And it, and it makes you a little bit more nervous when you're around, um, you know, uh, the lady comedians and stuff. And you're not really sure. But then I remember doing a gig in Edinburgh where one of the comedians, was, she was like, not anti-woke, but she was saying like, I don't, I don't trust a guy who does stand up, who doesn't talk about his cock for at least five <laughs> minutes. And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> then, was, I did um... you know, one of the things I did do during the first lockdown was I did a 
like a writing workshop, weekly writing workshop with Meryl O'Rourke, who, who's a really good stand-up. She writes with Frankie Boyle and stuff as well, and she, but she's really good in her own right. And I sort of said to her, you know, I'm just concerned about kind of pigeonholing myself as a smutty comedian. And mm. she said, yeah, but you're really good at smart. You know, you're relatable, you're likable, and you're good at smart. So if that's yeah. what you're good at, don't be ashamed of yeah. it, don't be afraid of it. So, you know, I do want to kind of broaden out the content a bit, but I don't want to abandon that. And 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 I think that, yeah. you know what, when, when I do at Hot Water, case in point, when I did the gig at Hot Water, I did a particular bit uh, in my set about um, when you get cramp in your leg when you're having sex as a bloke and how that can really affect things. I, I did my joke about a crampgasm and all that. And a guy in the front row, his girlfriend in the front row at Hot Water, elbowed him and went and actually said, I heard her say, that happens to you or that's you that's <laughs> what it was and you know what uh, they that, love works. The films, that works yeah you know well when so... you're doing when you're doing mainly late night gigs which you and i are we're doing yes. mainly late late night gigs which is broadly all there is in the uk mm. there isn't there isn't a daytime circuit there isn't really a kid circuit no. um and uh, so yeah you 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 can fall into that because I, I i applied to do some uh, spike my gigs having already gigged for him on a professional level, I applied to do these gigs, uh, and it was—I think it was an afternoon gig somewhere—and uh, he said, "Yeah, no, you're too, you're too dirty." But, and I'm just like, "Am I though? Am I? Mm. Or you know, am I cheeky and can I get away with it?" I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's up, it's up to him at the end of the day. It's his gig. Um, but uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's tough because. I want to write cleaner material, but then when I write clean material, it just seems a bit shit. So I do, I do try. Make you laugh at the end of the day. If you does, if you don't find it as funny, then yeah. you know. And and I think that's the problem for me is when I do write cleaner stuff, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't quite tickle the same funny bone for me. I I had I wrote I wrote something last night because I've been using Facebook. I've been trying to use it as a comedy thing because I'm a part of all these different random groups. One of the random groups is called Unintentionally Homoerotic Content. And the um, news uh, the news article that they shared was insects, uh, millions of insects have been accidentally, yeah, millions of insects have been accidentally having, homo, uh, having gay sex. And the, the whole <laughs> accidentally thing. So I just commented, oh, whoopsie, said the bee. <laughs> <laughs> that really made me laugh. <laughs> like this bee, just like, oops. <laughs> Did they again? <laughs> what an accident! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, seventh time this week. Anyway, see you next time, Jerry. And just <laughs> yeah, I just so, I, and so yeah. Your kind of low-level constant mental health issues, whatever you want to call them, stuff that's always buzzing mm. away in the background. Mm. You know, regardless of any, I don't want to call them episodes, but any spikes, any flare-ups, whatever you want to call them. How does that affect you as a, as a comic? Does it, does it change what you do? Does it mean that you don't do as many gigs as you'd like? Does it, how does that? that... I, in the past, and this has been maybe a bit too honest, because, you know, if bookers watch this or whatever, in the past, I have cancelled gigs uh because of it but that was in like the, the second or third year when i didn't really know what i was doing anyway and i would just get like a spell and i would go oh my god where have i got to where have i agreed to drive tomorrow brighton mm -hmm. for five minutes 
no. And so there was like, the, you know, I was feeling shit, but then there was also just like being realistic about how dumb an idea that was to drive fucking seven yeah. hours or however long it is to Brighton for five minutes work. And, um, and yeah, but I've, I just, I just really, I, I really try hard to manage it in these, you know, past couple of years. And the best, I think the best thing about how, I think the best thing about it is um, how that stage energy can just grab you and um, you can be in like the worst place imaginable. But then as soon as they say your name, because I've done it so often, you just go into the rhythm and you get the laughs. And then by the end of it, you're just like, oh, why did I wind myself up? Apart from the first gig that I had after the Christmas break in 2019, I came back and I got so in my head because Binti was there as well, and I rarely gig in front of him, but I, um, uh, but I just got so in my head, just like, oh my god, you haven't done this in two months now, or you haven't done this in a month, or and oh, what are you going to talk about? The same shit you talked about last time. I was just so like that. I just went up and I was just deer in the headlights. But then the next gig that I did, like I said, uh, I know you, 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 because you, Binti was there again. I said, I know you normally stay in the green room but come and watch me because i'm in a different fucking mindset and i went out and i absolutely fucking smashed it and uh and yeah it was it was nice to like you know and then even though i probably already should have learned that lesson you know you relearn lessons sometimes because you know you're not a book you don't just have all the information that you have in you you're like it's like fucking hogwarts book where information is coming in and coming out and and all the time so i think yeah in the in the I, I use it, you know, I use the sort, the sort of the, the mental agility that, you know, your ADHD or your high functioning anxiety gives you. I use it to my advantage. And then just sort of talking about it. This is great. I love what, I love what this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about it with, you know, other men, you know, talking about it with women as well. Mm-hmm. Talking about it with people you're close in your life. Um, you know, there's just, there's just so much shit. In the world and trying and trying not to get onto that sort of like oh I hate X person because they are whatever you know if you're a transphobe if you're a you know a person you know if you're a racist and something like that but then there's new stuff now where you get a lot of people on the internet going just like oh, typical cis white man and it's just like don't obviously you know there are a lot of you know because what I, what I came up with before was when when people were saying hashtag not all men. Uh, and then people were getting upset with that. And I was just like, well, okay, let's switch it around. How about hashtag most men? Mm. Kind of means the same thing. Mm. You know what I mean? It shows that it's an endemic problem. <clears throat> but, you know, it's really weird to me that you get these people who are seemingly so um, wanting to be so good and affect good change in the world, but then treat the people who are apparently not marginalized by marginalizing them it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me you know what mm. i mean like just on, yeah. on a wide scale be nice to people yeah you know, it's been in the news this week they're... isn't it because of um so the the sarah everard case in in london um yeah. obviously so we're now recording this the day after they found human remains and um yeah what i've seen i mean I've, i'm i sort of live although i'm on facebook i tend to live more on twitter um because i'm a dinosaur um 
I haven't really, I've, I've, I've had a look at the TikToks. It's not for me. <laughs> but um, on, on Twitter at the moment, the last 24 hours or so has just been a really long, long list of women explaining the times they've been terrified by men, whether intentionally or not. And the mm. not all men thing has been trending. And I think I was listening to the radio mm. this morning and, and, and Nicky Campbell was on radio, I just tell you five because I'm old. Um, and um, he was kind of, saying he was saying some men a lot he just said some men do this some men do this and mm. and it, it felt at first a bit crass but it's, it's important i think it is important to make the distinction but the key thing it is, is important that, to make the distinction because you don't want to be making people who are already feeling bad about themselves feel worse just because yeah. they have a willy you know exactly and, and i've think, seen my willy i have to look at it i feel bad i haven't for a while i haven't seen mine for a while it's been <laughs> not without the aid of a system of hand mirrors <laughs> um, but um no, I mean, so as a parent, I've, I've got a daughter, I've got a son, um, and, mm. and it, it, it's, we've talked about this before on the podcast, I mean, you used to alluded to it, you know, comedy last summer had its own sort of mini Me Too movement, and from what I understand, mm. it's not the first, it happened before, I don't know, it's been every three or four years, big, you know, yeah. um, and, and as people who run gigs, we, we have a responsibility to run safe gigs and all of that. It's just yeah. a really it, that in itself can be depressing. I go into comedy to have fun, occasionally make a few quid, but have fun. That's it. And then realizing that that if I'm running a gig, I, I need to view myself as an employer almost and take a responsibility yeah. for the people that that gig for me, rather than just giving them their hundred quid in an envelope and you know mm-hmm. sending them on their way, etc. It, it's it's depressing that the behaviour of a minority of people makes that the case, but it still needs to happen. You know, yeah, it, I remember, um, I think it was Chelsea Hart, she mm. shared this um, mental health uh, Me Too thing, and she did specifically say that she wanted to hear from men as well Yeah, um, about times in comedy which has uh, made you feel nervous or bad or whatever. And I said to, and I, and I, I told her this story about when I was in Cornwall and just before I was about to go on, uh, I was outside with um, with these two squaddies, uh, two Royal Marines, and they were getting pissed and they were doing tequila shots and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, God, I really got to try and put them off from coming inside. Um, and I, so I was just really like, you know, I was, I was like sullen and just like, and like oh. and they're like, oh, what's going on inside? And I was like, oh, God, it's really shit comedy night. You're not going to like it at all. Jesus, you know, like <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to them, that's the thing. Anyway, I tried my best and um, uh, and I thought it would work. So I went inside after the cigarette and uh, they ended up coming inside. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Uh, it was a nice, it was a nice crowd. It was about 30 people. And so it was, go- it was, it was a nice crowd. And uh, the lady who was on stage, um, you know, was actively talking about suffering from anorexia and stuff like that. And, but they weren't listening to her. They were just like calling her names and stuff. Now, I looked around and I saw the MC was busy doing the camera thing or whatever. The promoter was a guy on crutches, so he couldn't help. The two bartenders were all the way down the other side of the bar and they were about 17. And so I just went like, I made the decision like, I'm going to have to confront these two Royal Marines now who are drunk. I might die, but I'm going to do it because something has to be done. And I fully went into that confrontation, which ended up, thankfully, going fine, where I managed to just persuade them and say, I've got this really good phrase for any armed forces being um, 
being uh, being unruly. You go, you go to them, you just look at them in the face, you get as close as you can, you go, what would your commanding officer think of your behavior right now? And because their CO is so entrenched yeah. in their head, it brings back all the memories and they generally just sort of like that. But there was one point where the guy looked like he was about to start swinging. And I was like, I'm not going to win this fight. I, I might be a big guy, but they're two Royal Marines. They kill people for a living. So they do. They're probably really good at it, which is why they're on leave right now. Because yeah. they're like, you've killed 600 people. You deserve a beer. And, like, <laughs> you know, and so, I, I, but like, so I wrote that in like the thing that, you know, I felt compelled because I was the only man in the situation who was able to do something. So I had to do it. You know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a choice. I couldn't just I couldn't just let them shout horrible things about my a my mate and be my colleague. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I didn't really hear anything back after that. I think it was because it was uh, anonymous. But I think that I think that, that might not have been the only um, person who came in with that perspective, because obviously we need to listen to women and their experiences in comedy and be hyper aware like and i think you know most most of us are now when we get mm. when we get more women coming into the build stuff like that, i i always hear people saying are you do you need to walk to the station yeah. do you need to walk to the car do you need to lift home you know most of us were doing that anyway but you see a bit more of it now or maybe yeah. people being a bit more vocal about it as well like being like hey do you need a lift? You know, yeah. being a bit like, and even if it is just for show, it, it's it's still a good thing. It's a good it's, sign. You know, it's akin to me. So, someone put this uh, friend of mine, who's also occasionally a comic, is more a performance poet, put on, you know, reply to a post of mine today and just said it's it's very much like the racism um, battle. It's not enough not mm. to be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And it's not enough to not be a predator. You have to challenge it when you see it, or you have to any behaviour that's going to make you uncomfortable. I had the chat this morning. I took my son to school. He's eleven, and we had the chat in the car. I explained what was what had been going on in the news because the radio was on, um, and then we had the chat about you know when you're older and you're out. Here's how you how you help, kind of thing. Um, just try to sow the seeds now and. But it's depressing yeah. to have to do it. You know, it's really depressing to have to do it. This yeah. Is, it's been good. I mean, you know, you could look back on like 40, 50 years ago, you'd be like, right, son, here's how best to take the gullet out of a Nazi's throat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not 50 years ago. That was the, that was the fucking 70s. But like, you know, yeah. 80 years ago, the, that, that's the sort of father-son chat that you'd be having. So in a yeah. way, we have kind of improved. We've kind of moved on a bit. Like, yeah. We've moved on a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Listen, we've had a, it's been an interesting chat. We've touched on a lot of different stuff. It's kind of yeah. we've got it about, which is great. Um, what's the future hold for you, Tom? What's the what's the plan now that we're coming about at the back end of COVID or soon? The plan we'll is it's a good plan. I'm happy with this plan because I know from my experience that I can that I'm not doing anything that I don't know how to do now. And when I'm talking to venues and when I'm talking to people and when I'm talking to other comics. I can not be guessing. I can be saying, this is what we need to do. And this is how we can do it. Because I've seen it, you know, in other places that it works. And all you have to do is try to do it. It's a, it's a lot of an effort. So I'm going to set up some gigs in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and set up a, a foster, you know, I'm going to try and be a part because I can't set it up. I'm not fucking Superman. I'm going to try and be a part of a push for us to be a bit more of a supportive community. Those people who weren't supportive before, who were probably, you know, probably more, more than anything, just because of their own mental health issues and stuff like that, they were suffering. They then did, did made the wrong made the wrong choice, in my personal opinion, to then try and appease that suffering by making others suffer. 
Uh, I don't think that's the way to get yourself out of mental uh, health issues. I think trying to bring other people up and then having them do the same is the way to do it. Uh, oh, no, I did the thing. I did the politician thing. <laughs> that's the way to do it. <laughs> With yeah. The thumb. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna set up some gigs in Cardiff and South Wales and maybe the Southwest. Uh, I'm gonna, just gonna be filming everything and then uploading all that stuff to you know TikToks and stuff like that. Cause you never know what's gonna blow up. Um, and just yeah, just trying to trying to get something going down in the Southwest uh, because it's kind of I put a post in the Southwest Comedy Forum. Hey guys, not looking for spots or anything. Just wondering what sort of what everyone's got in the pipeline, and it got no responses at all. I think everyone's just in shell shock at the moment. So I want to hit the ground running, and not for the reason that I want to get ahead, so that I can then say, "Ha ha, I'm ahead of you now. I've already got this going. I want to get good things going as soon as possible, so I can then also help other people to get their things going." Because yeah. I really feel like uh, a good example of what I'm about to say is when um, somebody set, uh, in the Southwest scene there, they, uh, in, the co- in the group, they said, oh, I'm from London. I run a couple of open mics, a couple of pro nights. I was thinking about coming to Bristol and opening an, uh, an open mic night. And somebody went, oh, God, not another open mic night. And so, and so a couple of people ended up saying that. It was about four or five people. And then I ended up saying, I don't know what you guys are on about. More than welcome to come with an open mic night. Messaged him and said, dude, if you need any help to do a thing. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was. And then I posed the question, which again, got no responses, is guys, how many open mic nights on one single night do you think that Bristol City Centre can handle? Because I think it's more than there is at the moment, you know? And uh, so I'm just going to look at it with not the famine state of mind. Let's get stuff done. Let's just let's just make the people happy because you know a lot of people want comedy and they don't know how to get it. You know, that's a great attitude. Really yeah, man. He said patronising, not intended patronising. Um, no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't see it as patronising until you said that it was patronising. So uh... <laughs> now you do. <laughs> um, last yeah. question, and it's the last question I ask everyone. Um, so you've talked about um, eating disorders as a kid and being bullied and ADHD mm. and depression and anxiety and all kinds of stuff that you're very many flavours of, of fucked upness. Um, if I could take them all away, if I could wave a magic wand and them never happened, you're never going to get them. But the price is you never, never set on set foot on stage or never run a gig again. Would you take that deal? No, no deal. No deal. That's nineteen one out of twenty episodes. That's nineteen one. <laughs> no, as as bad as bad as it was, you know, like when you because I I was thinking back and uh, like when I was eight years old, that's when I first remember thinking I could kill myself. I was eight years old. Even with that, even with being a suicidal eight-year-old, which is a great band for an emo, a great name for an emo band, suicidal eight-year-old. Um, uh, no, because I, I love it too much, and it's my, it's my, it's my purpose being on this earth. I really do. I know that's you know a thing that that's like a very Marvel type thing to say, like you know, but it really is. I wake up every morning, and I, and I, the one thing that I want to do is make people laugh. So I can't do it. Superb. Nope. Fantastic. Thanks, man. Tom, it's been I'm, great. I've been holding in a poo for the past half an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Leave me it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, let's yes. do this again. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. Take care, buddy. So there you go. Um, uh, probably the best ending of any episode so far, um, the revelation that Tom had been holding in 
a large bowel movement was uh, unexpected to me. Um, you might also have picked up a few times during the episode that um, Tom referred to what he was doing as though you could see him. That's because we did this on Zoom. We recorded it on Zoom, and um, like a thorough professional, I hadn't actually informed him that this pod just goes out only in audio. Um, so... I like to think that that means that you, the listener, get to imagine um, what he's talking about um, and uh, fill in the blanks with his uh, whatever hand gestures he might have been using when he was making such wonderful analogies like the double-ended dildo that he was talking about. Um, we've got a few episodes uh, to be recorded lined up, so we, you know, we are going to keep turning these out. Um, and uh, let us know what you think. If you've got anyone you think would be a good guest, then hit us up. And, and uh, genuinely interested to hear your feedback. It's really nice to get feedback from people, as I do occasionally, saying they think what we're doing is the right thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a pod that strikes the right balance between the light-hearted stuff and the more serious stuff. So that's that's the aim. That's what we're trying to do. Thanks for listening. Take care. Sparks of Madness is hosted by Graham Rayner and is a Gag and Bone Man comedy production.